looking tonight in John chapter number 3. John chapter number 3. And so, uh, like I said this morning, we're going to be explaining this passage of Scripture, John chapter 3, verse number 5. And I have to say that I love when I am asked to explain difficult Scriptures. Not, not because I have all the answers and I like to show off how, off how smart I am, because a lot of times, sometimes I have an, an answer, but a lot of the times uh, uh, whenever I'm asked a difficult question, I have to go study it. I have to go dig into it and, and determine, you know, exactly what is so. Uh, many times uh, there'll be passages of Scripture that I've heard uh, different opinions on the passage of Scripture, but it's never been anything that uh, necessarily I felt like I had to nail down what I believed about it. Uh, and then when somebody asks me, I have to go study and, and figure out, so what, what do I think is right? And so it gets me in the Word when folks ask me to explain difficult passages of Scripture. But what I love the most uh, when folks ask me about passages of Scripture like this is it shows me uh, that there are people who are interested in knowing more about the Word of God. You know, we live in a day when shallow Christianity is the norm. And a lot of folks who claim to be Christians uh, have a few passages of Scripture that they're familiar with that they'll quote to you. And honestly, that's as deep as their Christianity goes. That is all they know about the Bible. They know these four or five verses of Scripture. They maybe have them on their wall in their house. And that's as deep as they ever go into the Word of God. Whenever somebody says, Pastor John, what does this mean? I have to tell you, Brother Harry's here. I'll just pick on Brother Harry. Harry gives me a question. I just brace myself because I know he's digging out something I ain't ever even seen. I mean, he's digging way down deep and he's finding something I hadn't even thought about. And he's like, Pastor John, what does this mean? And I know I'm going to have to read the whole library to find an answer. But you know what it tells me about Brother Harry and anyone who asks these questions? That they want to know more. They are digging in. They want to know what does it mean? How does it apply to me? What does it mean to me? And they are digging into the Word of God. I will say that this question didn't come from Brother Harry, so uh, Brother Harry's uh, free on this one. But uh, many times uh, uh, there are folks who are looking into the Word of God, and it thrills me to have people who want to understand the deeper truths uh, of the Word of God. This evening we're going to be looking at a very familiar passage, John chapter number 3. I read a portion of it this morning uh, as we opened the service. Uh, so a very familiar passage of Scripture. Most uh, anybody that's had anything to do with churches uh, can at, at least quote or, or uh, summarize what John 3.16 says. A very familiar passage of Scripture. But, but in this passage we find a verse that has caused a considerable amount of debate. Here in John 3, of course, we're reading the account of Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus uh, looking for some answers. Nicodemus was a religious man. Uh, Nicodemus was a man who was well-versed in Old Testament law. Uh, but there was something about this Jesus that intrigued Nicodemus. Now, many of Nicodemus's peers uh, uh, had no use for this carpenter-turned-teacher. They had no use for this man, Jesus. Uh, uh, they were even opposing Jesus. As you know, the Pharisees uh, resisted Jesus and stood against Jesus, but Nicodemus was interested. He said, there's something about this man that interests me, and I want to know more about him. So Nicodemus went under the secrecy of the night to ask Jesus some questions. He was interested in finding out what it was uh, that he was teaching, and he wanted to know if Jesus could explain some things concerning his doctrine 
and his teaching. So look with me in John chapter number 3. We're going to read verse 1 down through verse number 8, and then we're going to take a specific look at verse number 5 this evening. The Bible says in John 3 and verse number 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity that we have to be in your house. I thank you, dear Lord, for each person that has came back to church this evening. And Lord, they are here to listen and to learn from your word. And Father, I thank you for them. I pray, dear Lord, as we look now at this passage of Scripture, and Lord, as we begin to explain, uh, oh Lord, what we believe this passage of Scripture means, uh, I pray, dear Lord, that not only will we gain an understanding of your word, uh, but Father, we will also recognize the message that you are telling us uh, uh, through your word. And Father, Lord, that we will go away from here, uh, Lord, able to tell others the importance uh, of what you were telling Nicodemus, the importance of being born again. Father, I thank you for it. I pray, dear Lord, that you will just bless now in the service. Uh, Father, Lord, I pray that you'll meet the needs, uh, Lord, of each person. Uh, Lord, I pray for those that are unable to be here. Uh, Lord, I pray that you will meet their needs. Father, those that are watching online, I pray, dear Lord, that you will meet the needs in their life. And Father, I pray that you will just work in our lives and help us, Father, Father, to be the Christians you would have us to be. And Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Nicodemus came to the Lord Jesus and Nicodemus had some questions. He said, I'm a Pharisee, I understand the law, but there's some things about your doctrine, there's some things about your teaching uh, that has intrigued me uh, and I have some questions for you. And so Nicodemus began, we see uh, there in verse number 2, he began asking the Lord Jesus some questions. He said, we know uh, that thou art a teacher come from God. And he began to address the fact of the miracles uh, that Jesus had performed. And Jesus began uh, answering Nicodemus's questions uh, and he began telling Nicodemus about the importance of being born again. And in verse number 5, we see that Jesus makes this statement, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now we understand that in John chapter number 3, Jesus is specifically speaking uh, of being born again. He is speaking of the process of salvation uh, wherein we are made a new creature. Uh, behold, old things are passed away. Uh, behold, all things are become new. He is talking about being born again. And through this passage, Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus that salvation, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, 
is a life-changing transformation. Uh, uh, you know, uh, something that we see oftentimes in this day uh, is people, now I do understand, all that I have to do to receive the Lord Jesus Christ is believe uh, on the Lord Jesus Christ, but there are those who take that to the extreme uh, and they take away the fact uh, that believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is a life-changing experience. Uh, uh, whenever you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, it is putting your trust in him. It is putting your belief in his word, putting your belief in what he taught, putting your belief in his principles to the point that you are willing to change everything about your life to conform to what he teaches. Believing in the Lord Jesus Christ is a life changing circumstance. It completely transforms who you are. Those who teach that you can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing about your life ever changes have missed the truth of the word of God believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is a transformation. And the Lord is driving that home to Nicodemus that salvation is a life-changing transformation. It is so extreme. This life change is so extreme that it is a rebirth. This transformation is of such a, 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 an enormous a, a capacity that you've got to start over again. It is getting rid of all the old and starting over brand new. Those who accept Christ are made a new creature. They are born again. Now... Nicodemus didn't grow up in a Baptist church like many of us did. When I was a little bitty feller, it's a wonder my first words weren't born again. Because, I mean, you hear it all the time. If you go to church uh, over and over and over, every invitation, many messages, you will hear people use the phrase, uh, ye must uh, be born again. We grow up hearing the term and the phrase, ye must uh, be born again. And from a very young age, uh, we understand that this is talking about salvation. Ye must be born again. But Nicodemus didn't grow up uh, in a Baptist home. He didn't grow up in an independent Baptist church. Uh, he didn't hear the term, ye must be born again, over and over and over again. So when Jesus said, to Nicodemus, uh, ye must be born again. Uh, Nicodemus did not understand the spiritual application that the Lord made, uh, but his mind returned to the physical birth uh, wherein humans begin their life as an infant. So Nicodemus expressed to the Lord Jesus, he said, How? How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Nicodemus was clearly thinking of the physical aspect of his birth. And when Jesus said, you must be born again, Nicodemus's mind naturally went to his physical birth and said, how is it possible to do this again? Jesus, of course, hearing Nicodemus's confusion, proceeded to explain that he was not talking about a second physical birth, but rather a spiritual birth. As Christ is explaining the difference to Nicodemus, he makes the statement that we looked at in verse number 5, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now while we can understand pretty easily what he was talking about when he said being born of the Spirit, many have pondered, what did he mean when he said that we would be born of water. 
Now there's many opinions on what Christ meant, many opinions on on what he could have meant by saying this, uh, uh, but there are primarily three main viewpoints uh, that people will hold to as being the proper interpretation of what Christ meant here. And so we're going to look at each of these possibilities, look at how they they line up with the Word of God, uh, what uh, problems perhaps we see with them, uh, and then of course uh, I'll give the definition that I believe most accurately represents the meaning of this passage of Scripture. The first uh, opinion that many people hold to and that many people believe this passage of Scripture is teaching uh, is that Christ is speaking uh, of the necessity of baptism to complete uh, salvation. Uh, Many people hold to the belief that this passage of Scripture is saying uh, that except a person uh, be born of the Spirit uh, and be baptized, uh, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot see uh, the kingdom of God. Many people uh, teach that in this passage, Christ is teaching Nicodemus that he must both believe on Christ and follow through with water baptism in order to receive salvation. And although this is commonly held uh, by a lot of uh, different denominations, there are several problems with this interpretation. In order to understand the problems, though, I believe it would be helpful to first remind ourselves of the doctrine of baptism. Now we won't get into an entire message uh, like we did uh, several weeks ago, but we'll just remind ourselves of the doctrine of baptism. In considering baptism and salvation, the Bible is clear that salvation is by grace uh, through faith, not of works uh, of any kind, and that would include baptism. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, uh, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, uh, lest any man should boast. There's several other passages of Scripture, such as John 3.16, John 3.36, Titus 3.5, as well as many others that teach uh, that salvation is by faith only alone, that there is no work that we can add to or take away from salvation. Salvation is solely, completely, 100% by faith. To claim that baptism is required to be saved is to add works to salvation. If baptism is necessary for me to go to heaven, then there is something that I must do. There is a work that I must complete. Part of my salvation is hinging on me. The Bible teaches that it's not of me, but it's all of grace. For baptism to be, for this passage to be speaking of baptism is to add works to salvation, to add something we must do, and the Bible plainly teaches that it's not of works. As a matter of fact, any interpretation of Scripture that concludes that baptism or any other act is necessary for salvation is a faulty interpretation of the Word of God because the overall message of salvation is that it is by faith, uh, through grace, not of works. So anything that would add to it uh, would be a faulty interpretation. What is baptism? Baptism is an act of obedience that follows salvation as a public testimony of our decision to accept Christ as our Savior and live our lives for Him. Many times people will use the illustration of the 
wedding band. Uh, they will say that this wedding band uh, doesn't make me married. Uh, this wedding band doesn't change anything about uh, uh, my marriage. Uh, but this wedding band declares uh, to everyone who sees me uh, that I am married. Uh, I could take it off. I could throw it away. Uh, I could never wear it. Matter of fact, my dad has never ever worn a wedding band. It doesn't change the fact one bit uh, that he is married. Changes nothing. Uh, but when I have this on my hand, it declares to all who see me uh, that I have a wife uh, and I am married. It is a public testimony uh, of uh, the fact that I am married. Whenever you get baptized, uh, it doesn't add to your salvation. Uh, it doesn't make you any more saved. Uh, it doesn't give you a more a certain home in heaven. Uh, but it declares to the public that I have chosen to give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a public testimony that I want the world to know that I have decided to follow Jesus. It declares that we want to live our lives for Him. Baptism is not a part of salvation. Baptism is the declaration of our salvation. You say, well, how do we know that this is completely certain? Well, of course, we know that it's certain because if baptism were part of salvation, then salvation would be of works. And the Bible teaches that is not so. But we also have a practical example. When we look at the case of the thief on the cross, the thief on the cross believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is on a cross and Jesus is on a cross. They're not coming down. They'll die tonight. And he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus said to him, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. He did not get baptized. There was no way that he could be baptized. But he was wholly and completely justified and sanctified and given an eternal home. After he believed in Jesus, he was told that today you'll be with me in paradise. This and other passages make it clear that baptism is not a part of salvation. Baptism is not required for us to get to heaven, but it is something that God asks His children to do. God says to His children, You have believed in Me. Now tell the world about it. You have said that you have decided to follow me. Now tell the world. You have said that you choose me over everything else. Now tell the world about it. Baptism is saying, I am proclaiming to the world that I have chosen the Lord Jesus Christ. It is something that God asks His children to do as a personal testimony of their desire to live for Him. So when we look at John 3, 5, and we say, ha. This must be talking about baptism. There are several problems. The first is that baptism is not a part of salvation. Therefore, Jesus could not have been referring to baptism because he states that a man cannot enter heaven unless he has had both a water birth and a spiritual birth. To believe that this is speaking of baptism as the water birth contradicts all other passages of Scripture. And so we know that he was not speaking of baptism. Another reason, though, that this passage of Scripture cannot be referring to baptism and one that many people don't think about is because at this point in history, Christian baptism had not yet been instituted. Now, baptism 
had existed before this point. Uh, there was a baptism that the Pharisees practiced. Uh, there was the baptism of John the Baptist uh, uh, that we read about. But these were not Christian baptism. Uh, these were ceremonial cleansings. Uh, these were folks who were wanting uh, to be washed uh, and show their, that they were looking for the Messiah. This was not a Christian baptism. As a matter of fact, uh, the Christian baptism is different uh, in that it identifies the Christian with the death burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever we baptize someone, we say buried in his likeness and raised to walk in newness of life. When we are baptized, we are showing that just as Christ died for me and rose again that I could live, I have died to my old self, I have buried my old self, and I have been resurrected, a new creature to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it is impossible for Jesus to have been telling Nicodemus uh, that he needed to be baptized uh, when Jesus had not yet died, been buried, and risen again. Christian baptism had not even been as instituted yet. It was not even something that was to be done yet. Uh, so we see that this was no way that this could be speaking of baptism. A second opinion of this passage of Scripture that's very common, actually more common than the baptism opinion, is that Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus of ceremonial cleansing. Whenever he said you must be born of the water and of the Spirit, he was talking about when he said born of the water, he was speaking of ceremonial cleansing. Many hold the theory that because Nicodemus was a Pharisee, Nicodemus was very familiar with Old Testament law, and he was very familiar with the ceremonial cleansings. And if you go through the Levitical law, you will find that there were many ceremonial cleansings. You see how the priest had to wash himself. You understand how there was the wash basin and all these different things. You understand that if someone... If they had a spot or a scab and they thought that maybe they had leprosy, they would have to wash themselves. And all types of washings is found all throughout the Old Testament law. And many people believe that because Nicodemus was a Pharisee, he was familiar with the law, he was familiar with the ceremonial cleansings associated with the law, that Jesus was referring to a symbolic washing. In other words, they say that Jesus was telling Nicodemus that to be born again, to be born of the Spirit, would equate a spiritual cleansing. And so they say that, in other words, what Jesus was telling Nicodemus was, whenever you are born again, the Spirit moves on the inside and He washes you. Now, that is true that when you are born again, the Spirit does move on the inside. It is true that the blood of Jesus Christ washes away our sin. It is true that He cleanses us and makes us pure within. That is true. This work is done by the Holy Ghost. And so we understand that salvation does include a cleansing. But I don't believe that that's what Jesus was talking about here in John 3, 5 when he was talking to Nicodemus. And I'll give you a couple of reasons why I believe that. First of all, I cannot see anything in this passage, verse number 5, or any of the surrounding verses that indicate that Jesus is describing a cleansing 
or making reference to the symbolic washings that Nicodemus would have been familiar with. There is nothing else in this passage that talks about that. Nothing else in this passage that indicates that that's what Jesus would have been referencing. And just a little side note here. Anytime you're interpreting the Word of God, you will do yourself a favor to consider the whole passage. Consider the whole passage before you determine what it means. Many times if there's a verse of Scripture that I think I'm going to preach a message on, the first thing I'll do before I even try to put my outline together is read the entire chapter. And if I read the entire chapter and I'm like, you know what, I still feel like I'm not getting the whole story, sometimes I'll read several surrounding chapters until I'm sure that I understand the context so that we can rightly divide this verse. Sadly, there are many, many, many sermons that have been preached and many doctrines that have been established by people who did not interpret verses inside the context but instead took one phrase out and used it to determine what it was they were trying to say. So I don't see anything in this passage, that anywhere else, any mention of any type of reference back to the law and, something, and anything to do with the ceremonial cleansings. Plus, the wording in verse 5 would need some serious elasticity to make this work. You'd have to do a lot of moving the words around. Now, I don't want to accuse anyone of twisting the Scripture, but you would have to do a lot of moving around to make this make sense. I'll point out a couple of them. Simply the fact that the phrase used is born of water rather than washed with water. It seems odd if we were talking about being washed that we would use the term born. It doesn't seem to go together at all. Another thing that we see here is that the, the order of the process in this verse seems to be backwards for this proposed explanation. What do I mean by that? Well, here the washing of the water, if you want to see it that way, proceeds being born of the Spirit. And if I understand salvation correctly, the cleansing that happens on me follows being born of the Spirit. It doesn't precede it. Uh, so in other words, uh, uh, whenever I am filthy and dirty and unclean as a sinner uh, and I accept Christ as Savior, after I accept Christ, then uh, He begins the work of sanctification and begins cleansing me and making me whole, not before. Now there are those uh, who think uh, and who teach uh, that in order to get salvation you You've got to clean your act up. But that's not the way it works. You can come to Christ wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, and He will cleanse you after salvation. In order for this to be speaking of the cleansing of the Spirit, it's in the wrong order. It should follow being born of the Spirit, not be before that. And so we see that there's quite a few things about this that makes it seem to me as if we are forcing the verse to get something more out of it than what is there. There is a third opinion of what is meant by verse 5, and it's kind of actually anticlimactic. I'll tell you that right up front. But many times it's the secret to understanding the Word of God. And this explanation is what I believe most accurately represents the message that Christ was conveying to Nicodemus. I believe uh, that this is simply 
what Jesus meant. And I will say that this is what I've always thought the verse meant. Uh, but when I was asked to look into the verse, I thought, well, let me dig into it, see what everybody else says. And after much study, I came back to what I'd always believed, just my simple country boy understanding of what the verse said. And so, But this is an opinion that many people do hold and is the opinion that I've always held. And the third opinion is that the phrase, born of water, is simply speaking of physical birth. Simply speaking of his physical birth. Look back with me at the passage that we read at the beginning of the lesson. It says, Jesus answered and said to him, starting in verse number 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. In this passage of Scripture, Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus that there are two births. There is a physical birth, and there is a spiritual birth. Nicodemus is trying to understand what Jesus is saying from a physical standpoint. And Jesus is revealing, Nicodemus, there is a second spiritual birth. Nicodemus, you have a physical birth. Nicodemus, there must be a spiritual birth. Uh, look at, let's look at each verse, each verse here to get the context. In verse number 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man, you could put parentheses right there and say physical birth. Except a man, physical birth, be born again. There we have the spiritual birth. We see a physical birth and a spiritual birth. He cannot see the kingdom of God. In verse 4 we see Nicodemus' confusion. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Physical birth. Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Physical birth. In verse number 3, Jesus said there's got to be two births, a physical and a spiritual. Nicodemus said, I'm confused. How can there be a physical and a physical? And in verse number 5, Jesus clears it all up. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, physical birth, and of the Spirit, spiritual birth, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He said, Nicodemus, I, I see where you're stumped here. I, I see you, you're, you're stumped on the fact thinking that it's got to be a physical birth and a physical birth. No, no, Nicodemus, we're not talking about that. Yes, there is a physical birth, Nicodemus. But Nicodemus, there must also be a spiritual birth. And then we go down to verse number 6, and Jesus again confirms what he's telling Nicodemus. And remember the idea of context here. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Physical birth. This goes hand in hand with verse number 5. We didn't insert a brand new doctrine in verse number 5. This is all one thought. It all fits together. Verse number 5, born of the water, physical birth. Born of the spirit, spiritual birth. Verse number 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Uh, physical birth. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Spiritual birth. Then he said to Nicodemus at the end, I'm going to put it in my language. Nicodemus, this ain't hard, buddy. What I'm trying to tell you is there must be a second birth. Marvel not 
that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Nicodemus, I'm not telling you you've got to repeat the physical birth. I'm telling you there has to be a brand new restart, remake. There has to be a spiritual birth. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. When we look at verse number 5 in context with the rest of the passage, it becomes clear that verse number 5 is not the introduction of some other element of the doctrine of salvation. Now, there are other elements of the doctrine of salvation. Baptism is uh, something that we learn about in the Word of God as a testament of our salvation. Being cleansed by the Spirit, that is uh, our sanctification. But this passage of Scripture isn't talking about those things. This passage of Scripture is talking about this truth, ye must be born Again, this passage of Scripture is talking about the starting point. Uh, it is an explanation of the need for a man to have both a, a physical birth and a spiritual birth. Simple physical existence will never merit eternal life. But a second spiritual birth Will. The message of John 3 is ye must be born again. And John 3 verse number 5 confirms this message by differentiating between the physical birth and the spiritual birth. In our physical birth, we are encased in the mother's womb and the amniotic water that is there that protects the baby. And in the spiritual birth, we are enveloped with the power of the Spirit. Nicodemus, you must be born of water and of the Spirit. Now, I did bring this up on the way to church. I had uh, uh, Joel and Kaylee and Tate and Kale with me, and I said, all right, so here's what we're preaching on tonight. Any guesses as to which one is right? They began to throw out some ideas, and I didn't tell them what was right. I told them they had to come and listen, you know, to find out what was right. But they brought up this to me. They said, what? They said, I, I just don't know if, uh, if number three is right because... What about a baby that's never born? It's never been born of the water. So can they not go to heaven? And here's my answer for that in case any of y'all had that question. Here's my answer to that. Children are born, and as infants and as young children, uh, very small, who do not have an understanding or a, uh, understanding of the concept uh, of God and of right and wrong, if they die before they come to that understanding, they are covered by the mercy of God and they are taken to heaven covered by His mercy. So those who never are born of water, never have a physical birth, but they were conceived and someone by ill choice takes their life or someone because of medical reason loses their life, they are covered in the mercy of God. But those of us who have grown and we have an understanding of, of our responsibility to God, we must understand that our physical birth alone will never get us into heaven. There must be a spiritual birth. And this is what God was, or Jesus was driving home to Nicodemus. One phrase, Nicodemus, ye must be born again. Nicodemus, you've got to start over. Nicodemus, there's nothing in who you are right now that will ever merit salvation. Nicodemus, if you're ever going to see heaven, ye must be born again. Whenever we look at verse number 5 as speaking of both physical birth and spiritual birth, we realize that it now fits 
in the context of the surrounding scriptures. It doesn't need pages of explanation for it to make sense. It's in the right order. It's in the right place. It clarifies to Nicodemus and all of mankind that our physical birth alone is not enough. We must be born again. You know, whenever you're studying the Word of God, there are, don't, don't misunderstand, there are some deep truths in the Word of God. There are some things in here that, that it takes some effort to understand. I'm not minimizing that. But many times, the answer's laying right on the surface. And sometimes we miss the obvious by looking for the hidden. Here in John 3, 5, the obvious is there's two births. There's two births. And so hopefully uh, that answers the question. And if, if you were wondering about that, that clarified it for you. If you already knew it, you can say amen. And uh, if somebody asks you about it, maybe now you can explain it better. And I, as always, if you have questions, if there's things that you find that you wonder and you don't know and, and you're like, what does this mean or how do you explain that, uh, let me know. Uh, feel free to bring them to me. Uh, it would help to write them down uh, because I tend to forget. But write them down, send them to me, let me know. Hey, here's something I have a question about and I'll be happy to look into it. I love digging into things like this and providing these answers. So uh, don't ever hesitate to bring me questions and we we will do our best to answer them from the Word of God. I will say also that although I believe I'm right about this answer, I will say that there's a lot of men with more intelligence than me that have came up with other answers. And so I present this tonight as saying this is what I believe the verse is teaching. But at the same time, I'm not trying to be dogmatic and say this is the truth and there is no other truth uh, because I understand that I could be wrong but I don't think I am. So just throwing that out there as a disclaimer. So anyway, hope that was a blessing to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. And Father, I thank you, oh Lord, that you did tell Nicodemus you must be born again. I thank you, dear Lord, that one day I heard the message uh, that you must be born again. And Father, I thank you that you provided a way of salvation as we looked at this morning. And Father, Lord, that we were able to put our trust in you. And Father, now our home in heaven is secure because, Father, you made a way that we could be saved. And Father, we thank you for that. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll be with us as we go our different ways. Uh, uh, Lord, whatever the week holds, I pray, dear Father, that you will be with each one of us. Uh, Lord, whether uh, it be work or whether it be responsibilities, whether it be uh, Lord, uh, uh, maybe some uh, sickness or uh, doctor's appointments. Lord, whatever the week holds. Father, I pray that you will be with us. Uh, uh, Lord, that you'll be close to us. Lord, that you'll comfort us. Uh, and Father, Lord, that we'll put our trust in you. And Lord, we'll do our best to be a light to a sin-darkened world and tell the world about a Savior who can save. And Father, we'll thank you for it. Bless us now throughout this evening. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.